Today I believe there is a great breakdown going on in the church. I believe there is a great breakdown, a great failure occurring in Christian practice today. Now let me show you this, see this today. Biblically speaking, now follow with me. Biblically speaking, when you receive Christ by faith, when you receive Christ, you are to then grow in Christ. As you abide in him, as you walk with him, you are to grow in Christ. And as you grow in Christ, you are then to increasingly become active in the cause of Christ, in the mission of Christ. And I'll just tell you today, that is God's plan. That is the biblical truth. That is the biblical fact of the matter. That is why the church exists. When you receive Christ, you are to grow in Christ. And as you are growing in Christ, you are to become increasingly active in the cause of Christ. Sadly, if that is the plan, if that is what God has intended... Sadly, I want to tell you today, for the most part, that's not what is happening in churches today. Today we see people, and they hear the gospel, they hear the good news about the forgiveness of sins that we have through Christ, they hear about peace with God, with a, with a holy God that we have through Jesus, and they respond to the gospel, and they profess faith in Jesus Christ. And then... Out of those, we see some of them, and they begin to grow. And I mean they begin to really grow. And they begin to read the Bible. And they begin to, to have a, a love for the Word of God. And they begin to, to fellowship and to participate in the life of the church. And they start to, to have Christian depth in their life. And we actually see their lives change. But at the same time, there are some, if not many, that seem to stall out that seem to start big and then somehow get distracted, and they even seem to disappear. Then there are those out of those that some of those really understand God's grace. They really understand God's love. And they're so impressed by His grace and, and by His love that they, that they become urgent, and they just have to tell others about Christ and they get on the mission of Jesus Christ and, and they start to serve in their church, whatever that looks like and, and they start to invite people to the, the activities of the church and if you're speaking to them, they're going to tell you what God has done in their life with the goal of introducing you to Jesus and you watch them as they grow, they increasingly take up the mission of Jesus but at the same time, there are others and they seem to become self-focused. They seem to become satisfied. They seem to become blind and apathetic to the, the lost people around them and they have their salvation they believe secure and so they're not concerned about the lost world around them and they never suit up and take up the mission of Jesus Christ. That's what we see in the church today. I want to tell you somewhere there has been a breakdown, a failure in Christian practice. Sadly today, the number one indicator of church health, the number one indicator of religious devotion is church attendance. 
And that's a sad commentary on our day. And we go around and if attendance is up in the church, then we say, well, the church must be doing good. And if, if people are coming to church and they're regular in their church attendance, then we say, well, they must be growing as a disciple. They must be growing as they follow Jesus Christ. And all the while looking at them, there is no growth in their life. There is no urgency. There is no service to the Lord. Let me tell you something today. If the greatest thing a person does for their Christian walk, if a great, the greatest thing a person ever does for their Christian service is to attend church alone, if that's the high point of the standard, we've got a problem today. Now, I'll just tell you, it's not just a problem we see in the church, it's also a problem in our hearts and lives today. Today, let me ask you, from God's Word, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you increasingly committed to the cause of Christ? Those questions. God's word evaluates us. It tests us. Have you put your faith in Christ? Are you growing in your Christian walk? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? And are you increasingly committed to the cause of of Christ. Today our message is entitled The Faulty Fig Tree. The Faulty Fig Tree. We're in Luke chapter 13, today verses 6 through 9. Luke chapter 13, today verses 6 through 9. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Jesus is speaking and he continues on, verse 6. And he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine, but if not, cut it down. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for forgiveness through Christ. That, that whatever I've done, whatever we've done, that we can be right with you. That we can have a clean slate. We're thankful for forgiveness. We're thankful for the redemption that we have through, again, Christ and the work of Calvary. That, that we're redeemed, that we're bought back from the debt of our sins. I'm thankful that today we stand here enabled by the Holy Spirit. That we stand here, we're led by the truth of God's Word. And I pray, dearly Father, that today in the, in, the, in, the, in the hearing of your truth today, in the gathering of this service, that we would be changed. That some of us might be convicted. That we would be taught. That we would be different today. Let us not just pass through this hour. I pray for some in this room that do not know Christ. Some that may have come in in a smug attitude, thought they had it nailed down, but yet they have never had a personal relationship with Christ. I pray that today you would break their heart. Today you would open their ears. And I pray whatever the condition of a man that's lost today, that you would reach them. Move in this service. We love you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today in our verses, Jesus teaches by using... A parable. Now understand a parable is a story 
Now, that's intended to teach or to illustrate a truth or lesson. And so today in our verses, Jesus uses this story, uses this, this parable to teach his truth. Let's look very quickly at the verses beginning in verse 6. And he began telling this parable. Here's the story. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. Here in the story, there is a man and he owns a vineyard. In that vineyard, it says a fig tree had been planted. Now, it doesn't tell us who had planted the fig tree, but it had been planted. The story goes that this vineyard owner came and inspected the fig tree to see if there was any fruit, to see if there were any figs on the tree. And the truth of the matter is he did not find any. Now, see the picture that is developing here. See the picture that Jesus is painting. Understand this, a vineyard exists for the production of fruit. And that's the scene that he paints here. A vineyard in, in purpose exists for the production of fruit. Now, not only that, a fig tree, by its very nature, in season, produces fruit. And so understand, it is just natural that this man goes to the place that is dedicated to the production of fruit, and he goes to the tree that produces fruit, and yet he finds no fruit. And that is a disappointing thing. That is not the expected thing. He comes to the place where fruit is produced. He comes to the tree that produces fruit, and he finds no fruit. Look at verse 7. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? In verse 7, we have the facts of the matter. Verse 7 says this owner comes, and it says that he not only came on this occasion, but he had also been coming for three years now. And for three years he had found no fruit. Now, I checked into it, and I found that a fig tree can produce fruit in its first season. It will not be a lot of fruit, but it is, it is possible that a fig tree can produce fruit, can produce figs in its first season. But I also found that a fig tree is fully productive in its third season, in its third year. And so he comes, and the fact of the matter is the tree had had long enough to produce fruit. It had had ample time to produce fruit, and yet it failed to produce and so the man says, why do we waste this land? Cut the tree down. Cut it down. Now see this. This parable is pointing to God's eternal judgment. See today, God in complete justice. Now see what he's saying here. He has foretold and now he is again warning of an eternal judgment. He's warning them of a day when justice will be served. When not only that, when what is deserved will be fully and finally rendered. And he's painting a picture of himself. Understand that, how awesome that is. He's revealing himself. He's painting a picture of himself. And he identifies himself as the landowner who says, cut it down. 
This is a picture of God's eternal judgment. There is coming a day when justice will be served. Verse 8. And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, this year also, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. In verse 8, the vineyard keeper, not the owner, but now the vineyard keeper, answers and he says, Let it alone for another year. For this year also, sir, he's very respectful. For another year, let it alone. Let me cultivate it. Let me fertilize it. And then look at verse 9. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. Here in verse 9, the picture continues. And the caretaker says, let's give it another year. He says, let's make one last effort. He says, let's do the things that would encourage the bearing of fruit. But then he also says, but if it bears fruit then, great, fine. But if it does not, then cut it down. See two great truths in this parable. And I think it's a pretty awesome thing that in a simple little parable, God reveals himself to us. He reveals some profound truths to us. See two great truths in this parable. The first thing we need to see in this parable is the bigness, is the profoundness of God's grace. We need to see how astounding, how amazing God's grace is. And really, that's the picture of the parable. It's a, it's a picture of the tremendousness of God's grace. Understand, this tree had not produced fruit. Understand, it had had long enough to produce fruit. It had used and it had wasted the resources of the vineyard. And so rightly so, deservedly so, it should be cut down and cast out of the vineyard. And yet the caretaker allows another attempt. He allows another year and it is not cut down. Do you see that today? Be sure to see that this is a picture of God's grace. This is an example of God's amazing grace. Understand today. Listen to me, I'm talking about this year. Look at the wickedness around us. Look at the vileness of our culture today. Listen to me. The reason he has not come back, the reason and the only reason that the day of judgment has not come is because of the amazing, astounding grace of God. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this, listen. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being kept, are being held for the judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. That's the truth. Verse 9, he is patient, not wishing, not desiring for any to perish. We see in this example and a, a picture of his amazing Grace. Let me tell you something today. We ought to be astounded by the grace of God. We ought to be amazed by the grace of God. You've earned a punishment. You've rebelled against God. You deserve not one thing, and yet he shows you tremendous grace through Jesus Christ. That's the first truth. Second truth we see here, and that is this. Be sure and understand it as well. His grace is amazing 
However, it's not to be presumed upon. Hear that again. His grace is amazing, but it's not to be presumed upon. Notice there in the verse, the caregiver, the gracious caregiver says this, but if not, cut it down. Listen to me today. Be sure to hear this today. Justice will be served. Justice will be served. Now, I just tell you today, there's a growing heresy There is a growing falsehood that presumes upon God's grace. And it talks to the Christian church today. And it says, you know what? As a Christian, you can live how you want to live. As a Christian, you're under grace today. And so you don't have to worry too much about living in a holy lifestyle as God has directed. You don't have to worry too much about upholding God's moral standard. You cannot judge them because they would say, we're under grace. And it doesn't really matter how we live today. Listen to me. Hear this. See this. In the parable... God's allowing of something doesn't signal his approval of something. Did you hear that? His allowing of something doesn't signal his approving of something. People say today, well, maybe his word evolves. Well, maybe he's changed. It seems that he allows this and he hasn't done anything about this. And so maybe he's okay with it. Listen to me. He is patient. He extends grace upon grace, but justice is coming. Justice will be served. There will be a day when all will give an answer. There will be a day when an answer will be rendered, and it will be expected from you. Justice is coming. How interesting that as God reveals himself, and that's what this picture is, he's really revealing himself to us, how interesting it is that as as God reveals himself, painting a picture of himself, grace and justice are intertwined. Do you see that? Sometimes people want to talk about the justice and the harshness and the the legalism of God, and some others want to focus on the, the grace and the love of God. Isn't it wild that as he paints a picture of himself, grace and justice are intertwined. When we see his nature as he reveals it, grace and justice coexist. So how do we apply this? To whom does this apply? Let me let me tell you, be sure today, as a preacher, I cannot make the Bible say what it does not say. And I cannot apply it to whom it does not apply. And so how do we apply this? To whom does it apply today? Now follow with me today. To be biblically faithful, we can apply this. It does apply to three different groups. First, directly, it was speaking to Israel. The fig tree represents Israel. Now watch this. The fig tree represents Israel, the favored people of God, whom through the prophets held the word of God, revealing to them the Messiah that was to come and through Christ had come from God for their salvation. Understand, no people were more cultivated to ever bear fruit, 
The Egyptians had great wealth. The Babylonians may have been great conquerors. The Greeks may have possessed the treasures of philosophy and of human thought. The Romans may have now dominated the world, but it was God's people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were the ones to whom God had revealed the plan. They were the ones in his plan that it was going to unfold. No people were more prepared for the bearing of fruit than the nation of Israel. And yet they were stunted. And yet they were stagnant. And yet the Bible says they were stiff-necked and they bore no fruit. Rejecting Jesus, the Messiah. The first group it applies to is Israel. The second group to whom it applies is the Christian church. It is Christ's church. It is the church today. You see, in Luke's gospel, he presented the parable to the Jewish nation. But in Luke's gospel, he preserved it for Christ's church. He provided it for the church. And that's why we read it today. That's why we study it today. Now, I want you to see this in the same way. No people have been more cultivated. No people have been more enabled to bear fruit. Today, through the prophets, through the apostles, we have the Word of God. We don't, we don't have to wonder. We have the fullness of the Word of God. Not only that, we have the Holy Spirit of God to enable us. We can communicate today as never before. We as Americans have liberty to go and to tell. No people have ever been so equipped for the bearing of fruit, and yet honestly, like the Jewish nation, we are guilty and we bear no fruit. You say, well, what does this mean? The Bible says the church is going to prevail even against the gates of hell. Surely he wouldn't strike down a church. Surely he wouldn't cut down a church. I want to tell you, the book of Revelation says yes. The unfaithful and unfruitful church will be cast away. The Bible says its lampstand will be removed. Its influence will be removed all because it neglected to bear fruit. Listen to me, friends, our call as the people of Christ, our call as the church today is to bear fruit. And we need to understand that it's not about us coming and checking off a roll sheet. It's not us leaving up to some religious duty. We're to bear fruit as the body of Christ today. And if we neglect to do it, he'll take away our influence and remove our lampstand. We're to bear fruit in the church today. Third group that it applies to It is the individual, the hearer, the individual here even today, each individual. Now understand, I pull that, the context of the five verses ahead of it. In fact, the context of the whole 12th chapter ahead of it, we see this applied to the church, yes, but we see it applied to each individual. Understand, this is a call for the individual to recognize the time. It is a call for the individual to see the pending eternal judgment. And it is a call for the individual to respond to the truth of God's grace, to the truth of the gospel. Now let me go slow here so we don't get off base. So you might sit here and say, so if a Christian does not bear fruit, they're going to lose their salvation. Be sure to hear me today. No, that's not correct. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by earning our salvation. We do not keep our salvation by continuing to work or by earning our salvation. No, that's not true. 
But listen to me at the same time and hear this. However, the result of being saved is the production of fruit. You see, I don't know a lot of folks that want to say that today. You see, if there never is and there never was any fruit, I can't lie to you today and I can't make you feel good about it today. If there never is any fruit in your life, there never was any fruit in your life, listen to me, you're not saved. Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 says, and this is Jesus speaking, you will know them by their fruit. How are you going to know if they're a Christian by their fruit? Verse 17 says, every good tree bears good fruit. Verse 19 says, and every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John chapter 15 verse 2 says, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, Jesus again speaking, he takes away. I want to tell you something, we're not bearing fruit that we might get saved, but the result of being saved is we bear fruit. Question is this again. Have you received Christ? If you've received Christ, are you growing in Christ? And as you grow in Christ, are you increasingly committed to the cause of Christ? Bearing fruit to His glory. So I surveyed the church today. I want to tell you this. There's a bunch of folks that are sitting in church and a bunch of them need to get saved. Well, that hurts my feelings. That offends me. I've been here a long time. I want to tell you something. If, if you come and the, the high point of your Christian walk is sitting in a seat and listening to a song and a preacher, most likely you need to get saved. But I want to tell you, a bunch of us here that are saved, we need, we need to be renewed and we need to be refocused. That You know what? We're not just existing for the betterment of our comfortable life. We're existing for the production of fruit as a church. Vernon, Texas is lost around us. People are, are hurting around us. People are, are wondering where's hope around us. And the church that bears fruit has gone silent. It's a church. We need to be bearing fruit. Have you received Christ? Are you growing in your walk with Christ? And as you grow, are you increasingly committed to the cause of Christ? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for the truth of your word, as clear as it is, as confrontational as it is. I'm thankful that we're not going to have to wonder. I'm thankful that we're not going to have to go like some false religions and have to go produce fruit that we might impress you, that we could carry it to you, that, that you might save us, that you save us because of your grace and your justice for a while is held back because of your grace. But maybe we also understand a day of judgment is coming. And in these days, may we be a church and a people consumed with making disciples who make other disciples. Forgive us where we've been off track. Forgive me. Empower us to look like you and to take up your cause. I thank you for the truth of your word. I pray again rejoicing that you've, you've laid it here for us. Pray that it will continue to speak. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our service today with a time of response, a time to respond to the truth of God's Word. And I, and I pray that God has spoken to you today through this message, through His Word. Jesus was painting this picture for you today. And maybe you're here today and you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. And maybe I've never really understood. Maybe this is the first time. Or maybe I'm here and I've become so indoctrinated, so vaccinated, it no longer impresses me. But whatever your state is, 
outside of a relationship with Christ, you have no peace. Some of you have been coming to church a long time, you have no peace. Outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have no hope. Outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, death is your destiny. But I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. God loves you. He loves you and he sent Christ that you might be forgiven, that you might be redeemed. And so today as you sit here, it's not about grinding in the ground. It's about saying, you know what? I have hope and peace in Jesus Christ. Won't you put your faith in him today? Won't you call him your Lord today? That you may be saved. If that's you today, in just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of commitment. And I, and I pray that God stirs in your heart and that you'd come and say, let's settle this today. Let's take care of this today. Meet me here at the front. We'll settle it. Maybe you're here and you've done that, but you've never fought in believers' baptism. Our next service, we're going to baptize a couple in a testimony of what God is to them, what Christ has done. He died and went in a grave. Their old self, it's a picture of what's happened to them. Their old self has died and their new self now lives with them. There's some here today say, you know what, I've never fought in believers' baptism. Yes, I'm a Christian, but I need to be baptized to show my testimony. So you come as well and we'll set a date and we'll take care of that. Maybe you're looking for a church home, and if you've prayed about it and you believe God's led you here, I'd encourage you to come, and let's, let's, let's commit to serve together for his glory. Maybe you're like a whole bunch of us, and in the distractions of life and in the hardships of life, we've forgotten the biblical truth that as we grow in Christ, it's not for a relationship of comfort, it's for the bearing of fruit. Maybe you want to come and, and, and pray at an altar. Pray with me, God, help me bear fruit. God, forgive me for where I've been distracted. Use me in these final days until you come again to bear much fruit. So we stand to sing. I'm going to ask if you have a decision to make that you'd make it. That you wouldn't be hindered, worried about what people think, wouldn't worry about your pride. That you'd step out and you come on. I'll meet you here. As we stand to sing, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. Settle it today. Oh, to Jesus I surrender. Yeah. Uh-huh.